just like that, welcome to arguably the best week of the year in Duval. Certainly outside of football season, all right? I don't think anyone would argue that. Although draft Knicks out there may, the NFL draft 52 days away. You can really make the combination of the next two weeks as simply spectacular. Huge news today with the Jags. We'll get there in just one moment. Tomorrow, our attention really begins to pick up in preparation of the players, which, of course, begins on Thursday. Uh, many of you out there are, are going to make it, whether it's for a practice round Tuesday, Wednesday, or any one of the four rounds uh, thereafter. Uh, we know that last year's champion, Cameron Smith, not going to be a part of it this year. It's going to be very awkward uh, to look at those now representing the Live Tour. Uh, you know, selfishly, I, I wanted Tiger to be in this event. He's not going to play. He did his best to get through four rounds a few weeks ago. He had tremendous success as well, as we do know, over at Bay Hill in Arnold Palmer's event, which wrapped up late last night or, you know, into the night, I guess I should say. And he's not going to be here, uh, but plenty of good golfers will. And it's just a party. It's a great time. It's an opportunity for friends to see one another. You know, the atmosphere around 17 is truly one of the great sport uh, sporting events that you'll find anywhere at any place. And, um, you know, very much so looking forward to it and obviously a ton of golf. And then right after that, you know, you've got – Conference tournaments getting underway. What, ACC tomorrow, SEC Thursday, or at least I know Florida State plays tomorrow, and they've been terrible. I mean, Florida State football may end up winning more games this year than Florida State basketball. Unheard of. Ten wins for the football team. Right now, Leonard Hamilton's boys stuck on nine can they get a conference win tomorrow? For Florida, it all kicks off on Thursday. They're going to have to win the SEC in order to get into the um, NCAA conference tournament. So that is, you know, next week. And it's also legal tampering period in the NFL. And then everything has to be set by 4 o'clock, one week from Wednesday. That will be on the 15th. Of March, So the next two weeks are simply incredible for fans here, uh, especially Jaguar fans. And if you're a golf fan as well and a college basketball fan, it's really one of the great times of the year. So good to have you with us. My name is Rick Ballou alongside J.J. Um, LaSalva. We'll be with you here tonight up until 8 o'clock. And, you know, it's going to be a fun week. We'll be out at the Players um, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, as well as out uh, this weekend. Uh, but it's a great time for Jaguar fans. It's a great time to just really enjoy everything that's around you because things just continuously get better. With the announcement today with Calvin Ridley, I'll be the first to raise my hand and say I'm surprised by the timing here. I'm very happy about the timing here. Um, the NFL as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to legalities, they never really do anything right. You know, it's like they kind of hold that over their fans, that we're going to do this, we're going to do that, who cares what you think, you know, it's our little operation, Um, we're going to do what needs to be done, and it's going to happen our way. I just don't know how much more 
reporting they could have done or research they could have done. The penance has been paid by Calvin Ridley, okay? Now we'll find out what is he all about. At this age, the fifth year of his rookie contract, yeah, he's making a pretty good wage, but for what he could end up earning, uh, it's it's really nothing compared to what his next contract could be, and it's already in the books now. I look at it today. Calvin Ridley is going to cost $11,116. That is his cap figure. Again, as a former first-round pick, the fifth-year option picked up, and then the trade did happen. So he's in today. Evan Ingram. You know, there have been some rumors. They were out over the weekend by ESPN's Jeremy Fowler that were the Jaguars having second thoughts on Evan Ingram as far as the franchise tag? There was, uh, you know, rumors coming out of Indianapolis that maybe instead the approach would be towards Juwan Taylor. That did not happen. The Jaguars as well, a couple of hours ago, sent out a release. Uh, Ingram will get $11,345,000. That's a real good payday for a tight end. I mean, this man bet on himself a year ago, made $9 million in 2022. So, you know, the raise here is $2,345,000, which is just absolutely spectacular for you and I. But Evan Ingram, though, I, I think he's let it be known, or I know he's let it be known because he said so today on Twitter. Uh, he would just like to flat out get a deal done. So it was a long-term contract extension coming presently right now for the Jaguars. They're $5 million over the cap, okay? They're going to have to come up with, oh, another $9 million or so uh, to fit in this year's draft class. Again, that's 52 days away. You have to have everything set, as I uh, did say a moment ago, for next Wednesday. So cuts are coming. And, you know, the Shaq Griffin cut is one that we're all aware of. There's going to be a $4 million dead cap hit there, but Jacksonville is going to be able to pull back $13,147,000. So that certainly does help. Um, Jamal Agnew, to me, is really the biggest mystery. I, I don't know what to make out of Jamal Agnew. Okay, he is in the final year of his contract. In my opinion, I'm trying to do everything that I can to keep him here, okay? But he would bring back $4,714,000. So you're getting nearly $5 million back if you were to say goodbye to him. You're going to have to pay a little bit, $1,166,000. So how do you weigh that? What's he giving you? I mentioned this last week. It was actually a little bit of a surprise to me with Jamal Agnew because I think right now, a lot of Jaguars, you know, it, it's really interesting how this works. And, you know, certain guys can make a mistake, have a fumble, throw an interception, drop an interception, uh, go send Eric Marks and jump off sides and fourth and one. Just, you know, create or, or commit a, an offensive holding when it's, you know, third and one, then all of a sudden... You know, it's third and 11 or get a, a false start. You, I think you understand where I'm going with this. Certain guys get hammered for mistakes. Other guys get a pass. I think Jamal Agnew got a major pass after fumbling inside the five-yard line. I also believe there's a lot of people out there, myself included, who look at it and say, why does he have the ball? 
All right, when you have Kirk and you have Zay and you have Ingram and you have Travis Etienne, why does Jamal Agnew get the ball inside the five? So, again, we're all armchair quarterbacks when it comes to this, but I was really surprised when I looked at it. It was either last week or the week prior to that. Jamal Agnew only carried the ball 12 times this past season for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he only caught 23 passes. Okay, that, that's, that's 35 times that he touched the ball. And I understand that his primary responsibility is to be a punt returner. The kick return deal isn't what it once was because of the changes in the NFL. Let's see, Jamal Agnew returned 21 kickoffs in 15 games. So he's given you basically a tiny bit over one a game as far as a kick return. Did a really good job, average 26. Um, You look at what he did as far as punt returns, 25. 205 yards, that's 8.2 per. Again, very very solid. Not going to argue with you there. Jamal Agnew is one of the great returning guys in the NFL. But where are you with that? Do you bring back $5 million and let him go? For a guy who touched the ball 35 times, you're like, no, 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 no. He's not part of this, Baloo. Leave him where he is. This guy has the ability, and we saw it two years ago. Regardless of what the situation is, he has the ability to take it to the end zone whenever he does touch the football. To me, that's now probably the biggest decision that that Jacksonville is going to have to make with guys who are on their roster, okay? We've all been under the impression that they're going to do something with Rayshon Jenkins. Are they? Is there a chance that they'll let him play out the final year of his deal and, you know, you pay Rayshon Jenkins $10,500,000. It's been so easily stated that, you know, they're going to restructure that deal. I really haven't heard anything at all since the season began that he would be released. Okay, last year at this time, during the offseason, I think we all felt that Roy Robertson-Harris, Rayshon Jenkins, and Shaq Griffin would all get released because they did not play well in 2021. Robertson Harris really came on second half of the season. As you know, Shaq a complete bust. He only played five games this year, Uh, but Jenkins had the best season of his career. It's just, can you restructure it again? How much more do you want? That's why I was a little surprised by the Roy Robertson Harris restructure. I I thought that there was mm, maybe some more important things to do, like bring back Arden Key or figure out what you're going to do with Dewan Smoot. Um, Rayshon Jenkins, perhaps, uh, the extension. I mean, teams make moves, and there are oftentimes they make moves that, that surprise you. I, you know, a few years ago, Dave Caldwell, when he extended Miles Jack when he did, I was like, well, wait a minute now. I mean, you've got Unique, you've got Jalen, you've got huge contracts coming up, and, you know, they give Bortles a ton of money, and they gave Miles Jack a ton of money. So we're not always going to agree on what deals are made by the present general manager. I was a little surprised by Robertson Harris uh, for the reason that I just gave you. All right, so where does that leave this football team right now? It leaves them with one of the greatest offenses that this franchise has ever had, okay? It is absolutely scary if you look at this team. And, you know, it's also fair to go back to Urban Meyer, right? And Look at what this franchise had, skill position-wise, 
you know, a couple of years ago, James Robinson in the backfield, right? LaVisca Chenault um, was your, arguably, one of your top wide receivers, along with DJ Chark, Chris Manhurts uh, <laughs> as your as your tight end. And, you know, you look at what this football team gives to you now, if you go to a three-wide receiver set with Trevor Lawrence, Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, and Travis Etienne, I don't think there's ever been a better offense. I mean, you can take me back to – and you do whatever you want. You can take me back to Jimmy and Keenan and Kyle Brady or Pete – or I guess Pete Mitchell and – you know, Natron Means and James Stewart, then it became Fred Taylor. Okay, you know, I'll listen to you there. It's it's tough to beat Fred Taylor, Keenan McCardell, and Jimmy Smith. It really is. And Mark Brunel was spectacular. But I want to tell you, the potential here is even better than that. It's amazing what they have done to all of a sudden assemble this offense. Here's the problem, though. What's going on at left guard? What's going on at right tackle? For the life of me, I cannot figure out how they're going to retain Juwan Taylor now. To me, it's close to impossible, although we continuously see that the salary cap is so easily beatable if you are intelligent and you are crafty, and many teams are, and Jacksonville's made some good moves. I just don't see how they can give this man the going rate. Do you really want to pay him between 16 and $18 million a year? I'm not doing it. I'm not. And I know he's been durable. I know that he had his best season. That worries me. When guys perform their best knowing that it's a contract year, to me, that scares the living snot. I mean, it's, it scares the snot right out of me. It does. And I, I'd stay away. Pro football focus, take it for what it is. All right? They tell us he did not have a good year as a run-blocking tackle. All right? He absolutely improved this year when it came to, you know, sacks allowed and hurries allowed. He had a much better season. Uh, but I got to believe right now that Jacksonville is going to go one of two ways, or perhaps both ways. It's either Walker Little day one at right tackle, or you just wrapped up the combine from Indianapolis, and Jacksonville is going to get themselves a tackle in either round number one or round number two. All of that, we'll have to sit back, wait, and see. Again, before you know it, the NFL draft is going to be here. All right, we got a lot to do tonight. It's going to be, as always, a, a lot of fun right here on a Monday. The best way for you to get on in and share your opinion with anything I just said about this Jaguars football team is, as always, on the text line. That is 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure, 641-1010, if you would like to add in your couple of cents. Uh, Demetrius Harvey in about 20 minutes going to join me. He was at the Combine in Indy, so I know he had his both ears. Um, I guess you can't have both ears against the wall, right? To the ground. Right. You know what else you can't do? You can't go back to back to back when you're hitting home runs. It's physically impossible to go back to back oh. to back. 
Wow. Okay, so we need to eliminate that one. What about the Tom Amansky commercial where it's Fred McGriff where he goes back to back to back to back AAU national? Four back to back. Well, that is possible. That is possible if you use it in that context. Mm. But going back to back to back. It's just physically. I mean, impossible. I know you're a pirate a little bit. You go underground, you get the bones gone, fight, I did. I you get other a- stuff. Have you ever seen anything underground where. <laughs> Three human beings can on, literally go back to back to back? On the dark web? I, I don't know. I'm I asking you. I have seen human centipede. Yeah. And that's close enough for me. You know what else should be not allowed? A Grand Slam home run. It's, it's a, a grand, grand slam. slam. You don't call it a Big Mac hamburger or a Whopper hamburger. It's, it's a Grand Slam. So Grand Slam home run, no. No, no, no. It's... A grand slam. We teach the English language and tell you what's right, tell you what's wrong. But what about when people use it at, like, grand slam is also used in the context of tennis. What's tennis? Ha! <laughs> well, then there you go. When I got here at the ball, Point they, they the used loop. to make me go up to a, a, a Amelia Island to cover the Bausch and Lomb women's tennis tournament were they professional and it was like a prison sentence <laughs> it was well the only thing that was good was that was one on a cornucoba was oh, there a legend yep she was over 18 um of course. but yeah I, I guess it just occurred to me right to, now, whatever happened to the bausch and loam i haven't heard anything about it since i got back from chicago did that event just kind of go not, away i doubt it's still happening are women still playing tennis are men still playing tennis do we I, know i don't think we let the number one tennis player into our country to even play in our tournaments that's what i know about tennis chris fowler gives up like the first two weeks of the college football season because he's doing tennis dude he loves wimbledon he love uh oh i guess he does all of them but uh, especially wimbledon he's always at wimbledon all right, 641-1010. That's the text line. It's brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Opening comments tonight and every night brought to you by Schmunez Vision. How are your eyes? You can be able to see that little white golf ball over at the players this week, huh? You're gonna, Or maybe you're just there for the party. If that's the case, then, then all the power to you. But if you, if you really care and you're about club selection, you're about, you know, tee to green and things like that really mean something to you, um, it may be difficult depending on where you get your seats. And you may find that no matter where it is that you go, whether you're at the beach, any sporting event, driving home, your eyes are often neglected, okay? We spend so much time, you know, really from the brain to the toes, but it feels like we leave our eyes behind. And that's not the way to go about it, okay? Sleeping in your contacts is an absolute no-no. Um, you're over the age of 50 now. You've noticed that you have issues with your eyes. Cataracts, for instance. You may think, oh, I'm 50. I'm going to have to have cataract surgery. That may not be the case. Best advice I can give you is to make an exam or schedule an exam today with Shemunez. 299-2906. Heck, you may be a candidate for laser eye surgery. We're talking more than 30 years worth of experience uh, with Dr. Neo Shemunez and Dr. Catherine Shemunez. I love them. They're the best around. They're out at the beach. So my advice, do the same. Check them out online, schmunezvision.com, or give them a call at 299-2906. Schmunez Vision. Care you can see.
Well, I used to wake the morning for the rooster crow, searching for soda bottles to get myself some dough. Run 'em down to the corner, down to the country store, cash 'em in and get my money to a man named Curtis Lowe. Into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Ah, they're all gone. Gary Rosington over the weekend passes at the age of 71. So the original members of Leonard Skinnerd formed in 1964. Ronnie Van Zandt, of course, died years and years ago, decades ago. In the uh, plane accident. Uh, Alan Collins, Larry Junstrom, Bob Burns, and Gary Rosington. Those are the five originals. They added men uh, to their band. And they're still out there today. Touring. But the originals no longer with us. Uh, What, the plane crash took Van Sant, took Steve Gaines, took up uh, the backup singer, uh, Casey Gaines, boy, that that documentary is unbelievable. Though the surviving members of that um, plane crash, uh, planes sucked back then. They really did. Everybody was going down. Right now, we just take it for granted. You know, you're in there in your pajamas, and uh, you throw the headphones on, and you're just like, "Hey, wake me up in two and a half hours." That was the original five some. By their first album, it, you know, you had Billy Powell and you had Ed King and you had uh, Artemis Pyle and Leon Wilkerson all joined the band. But the original members that did not produce an album were the five that I mentioned at the top. So there you have it. Uh, Rosington Collins became a band. Remember them? A lot of folks around here. Wood Leonard Skinnerd. Unfortunate passing right there, Gary Rosington. All right, there. Are, before I get to this, let, let me read to you what Calvin Ridley said today. This comes from the Jaguars' uh, PR. They released a statement today. This is uh, straight from Calvin Ridley. Quote, today's reinstatement by the NFL brings an end to a challenging chapter of my professional career, one that was self-inflicted and began with an isolated lapse in judgment I have always owned my mistakes, and this is no different. I have great respect for the game and excited for the opportunity to restart my career in Jacksonville. I look forward to showing my new coaches, teammates, and the entire Jaguars organization exactly who I am and what I represent as a player and person. End of quote. I got a text earlier today. Not a text, the Someone asked me on Twitter earlier today. Said, Baloo, do you trust Calvin Ridley? And I actually did it was I was taking a walk today. I was out sweating out yesterday's beers. And I was great. Listen, I'm one of the few guys who actually credit uh, listeners, fans, when, when they bring great questions or, or, or great ideas. Um, 
and I know a lot of people don't do that because whatever the, the whole ego thing comes into play. But but screw that, okay? It's a great question, and I was thinking about. I was like, listen, how can I trust Calvin Ridley? I don't know Calvin Ridley. I never talked to Calvin Ridley. All right, I'm not going to sit here and answer it and say, yeah, hell, I trust him. Yeah, my ATM card. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, I have no answer to that. Here's what I do trust. I trust the process. I trust that Jacksonville did their due diligence. I trust that somehow, somewhere, even though he was not part of the NFL, they had some sort of understanding as to how things have been going during this young man's life. I also, if you really look at the terms of the trade, it only becomes damaging for Jacksonville as far as what they are going to have to give up if Ridley becomes basically a Pro Bowl wide receiver. So, therefore, the risk totally um, is outplayed by the reward. So, you know, my guess is Ridley's going to be fine. I, I don't think he's going to be, you know, rolling dice on a street corner. I, I don't think he's going to be betting on the Kentucky Derby. I, I just don't think he's going to be doing things like that anymore. I, I think he is. I think he's allowed to if he yep, wants to. He probably can. Because but I, Brady I, was always there. Right. I, and Brady, I get your point. Brady was probably betting on the fight Saturday night. He was there with Mike Evans in Las Vegas. But I, I just. I, for one, happen to believe that since he got rung up for this, and there's only been four players in the history of the NFL who've been rung up for gambling. What, Alex Karras, Paul Horning, obviously Art Schleister. Art Schleister's still, you know, he's still betting for smokes right now in jail somewhere. Is he still alive, Art Schleister? Let me know. I, 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 I hate to... Come out and say that someone's dead. He is still with us. If they're alive. Okay. 62. And he's in the pen, right? He's still in jail. He's got to be. Let me find out. So there's only been a few that have been caught for this. My guess is that. Oh, he's been paroled. Oh, good. Okay. Well, then there's a guy who is rolling (laughs) dice on a street corner somewhere. Okay. I mean, as a matter of fact, he's probably tuned in here all day trying to figure out if he can get any nuggets on on who to pick in this year's players, uh, which obviously does begin on Thursday. But it's a great question about trust. And, and the answer to that question is there's no way for me to say, yeah, I trust him, or no, I do not trust him, because I don't know him. But I do trust the Jags. And I, I believe that the way that they went about this as far as what they'll give up, it's not a large risk. It's a one-year deal, $11 million. If this guy knocks it out of the park, then you got to talk about a long-term contract extension with him, knowing that Trevor Lawrence is going to be available for another contract coming up one year from now. So that's the way that I look at this, not whether or not you can trust the man. And you know, my, my my biggest concern, and I think the former regime uh, failed mightily when it came to me- uh, mental health, right? I mean, how did they not know about C.J. Henderson? He's a driver in Three Wood from here where he went to college. NFL teams all knew about his mental health issues. How did the Jaguars not? You had a situation with, with D.J. Chark. 
okay? Obviously, Kelvin Smith went crazy, okay? So, yeah, the, 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 there's three strikes and you're out. They failed. I, I hope they have the right people in-house, the right doctors, the right counselors. Mental health is a serious problem, a major problem. I'm more concerned about that, and I, I really hope that he is okay. Um, this is such a serious issue. I was talking about it yesterday on the golf course. It's amazing, man. You, you, I, I was, you know, we had that interview last week from uh, Lords of Fifty uh, Second Street. I actually, forgot his name. Liberty. Uh, uh, Liberty. Uh, yada yada yada. The the drummer, and and they're going to be in town here on Friday night. It should be a whole heck of a lot of fun. Liberty Devito. Liberty Devito. And at the end of the interview, he said, because he worked with Stevie Nicks too. And he was like, she only really got good when she became totally depressed. And I'm on the go, and you're thinking, this is arguably the greatest female singer, rock and roll singer of all time. She's the only one, she's the only woman who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice as a solo artist and with Fleetwood Mac. And to have all that power and have all that money, yet you have such anxiety and such depression that you are not enjoying your life. And back when she was a monster in the 70s and into the 80s, I don't even think mental health was around. I don't even think it was, I mean, that it had been discovered then. It was, why is he in a bad mood? Why is she in a bad mood? You were almost a sissy. You were almost weak if you could not handle things, whether you were at school or your job or with your family, and none of us knew that there was actually an issue with mental health. Uh, and I guess we've become a long way, but we still don't know too much. Like, you know, we just hear, yeah, he had to take a mental health break. And, you know, it's none of our business. But as, uh, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, I would hope they know more than we do. Yeah, I don't even know where to begin with something like that because I would think that there's all sorts of different medications. And if a medication works for player X, is it going to work for player Y? Uh, some do better with counseling. Some do not. I, I mean, I don't even, you got to go to school for this. You're a doctor for this. And, you know, I, I don't even know where to begin. But I, I believe that that Jacksonville has the right people, even though that report card came out and there's rats in the building and, you know, uh, you have mothers giving, um, you know, breastfeeding in public restrooms. All right, so there's issues down there. You need a facelift. You need a new stadium. But I think the trainers, the doctors, um, you know, everyone that I've known, PR staff, logistically speaking, travel, there's a lot of really good people in that Jaguars building, honestly. Really good people. And, and that's what my biggest concern is with him. It's his mental health. It's not whether or not he's going to gamble. All right, I've overshot the runway here. Demetrius Harvey's probably like, bro, I thought you said I was coming on at 638. I do apologize to the beat writer of the Florida Times Union. He will join us next. No. Another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. You got to be crazy. 
Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, happy birthday as well to David Kilmore, 77 today. My opinion, still the best combo lead guitarist and lead vocalist in the history of rock and roll. Uh, you made Jimi Hendrix me or someone, some guy tried to give me Mark Knopfler the other day from Dire Straits. Billy Gibbons, Easy Top. There's been some good ones, Clapton, but n- nothing close to David Gilmore. All right. He's back from Indianapolis. Demetrius Harvey, of course, covers the Jags beat, and he does so for the Florida Times Union. And uh, frequent guests of the program, it's great to bring him on right now. I apologize for being tardy, Demetrius. Thank you. It's okay. It's okay. I'm I'm feeling a little sick still. So, you know, if I sound a little bad, you know, I apologize for that. Well, Indy will do that to you, man. It's a nasty place, and it's cold. It really is. It really is. It was, it was 70 degrees one day. And then all of a sudden it was like in the 40s. So, you know, that would that would do it. <laughs> um, I, you know, I did not go this year. I love the combine. I, I love the chatter. To me, that's the best part of it. And the last couple of years, obviously, the Jags on the clock at number one. Just how different was it this year to have this organization be completely relevant, uh, whether it's Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson, Trent Baalke, and and really everything else about this organization? Yeah, you know, I, I have to say it was it was my first time uh, going to the combine, so I'm not quite sure exactly how it felt in previous years. But you know, this year it was it was obvious that the Jaguars were among one of the teams where you know people were talking about them. They were saying uh, things about Calvin Ridley coming in, the offense, how explosive it's going to be, about Trevor Lawrence. You know, um, John Shipley actually had a pretty good article on, on his website. You know, talking about you know different different teams view Trevor Lawrence as a potential MVP candidate and you know it, it's it's strikingly different from what you would hear coming out of Indy in years past I would imagine uh, when the Jaguars were picking number one they were sort of one of the bottom feeders of the NFL so yeah you know it was different it, it was just a, a, a situation where the Jaguars were you know among the uh, top teams it felt like it it, it it, it just really did. You know, this is obviously not with the combine, but with the announcement today, it came sooner than I expected, and and obviously Jaguar fans are happy about that with Calvin Ridley. What are your expectations for him once the season gets underway? Yeah, you know, he's he's still a, a, a really good wide receiver. I, I I feel that because of what he's produced, you know, throughout his time doing doing workouts and things of that nature. From what I've heard, he looks great. I think Pete Prisco put out something. He went uh, 22 and a half miles per hour in, in one of his recent workouts. I know those are all, on, you know, in, in shorts and everything like that. And we have to, we haven't seen him on the field in a couple of years, but um, I think that's great. I, I think that he's he's a guy who obviously has a very strong work ethic. I don't think that it was a situation where um, he simply did not want to play football because he didn't like it. Um, I think that you know, obviously, he was dealing with some stuff mentally and then obviously the suspension because of the gambling so I think that uh whenever he comes back I I expect him to be a bit rusty I mean that that's that's a given but you know I think that he's going to be able to come in and provide that sort of deep threat that guy to take the top off the defense that the Jaguars just haven't had in, 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 in quite some time and I think that pairing him with a guy like Christian Kirk um, and, and a guy like Evan Ingram, who I'm sure we're going to talk about in a second, you know, that that's, that's outstanding. I think that that's something that uh, they've desperately needed for a long time. It's a busy day for Jacksonville. They make two moves today. The NFL actually makes one of them. They do reinstate 
uh, Calvin Ridley. It'll cost the Jaguars just over $11 million, and the franchise tag was applied on Evan Ingram. Tomorrow is the deadline for any team around the NFL to put a tag on a player. There were some rumors over the weekend that that maybe it would be Juwan Taylor and not Ingram. So Jacksonville today adds $22,461,000. They're about $5 million right now over the salary cap. Demetrius Harvey, our guest, joining us from the Florida Times Union here with Rick Ballou. All right, so Shaq gets released. Uh, we, we know that that's coming. What's... Um, I mean, it, as far as I'm concerned, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I, I don't see how they can possibly bring back Juwan Taylor. It, it's going to be tough. I, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I, I kind of was thinking that they would have already gotten a deal done by now if they were going to. Um, so it's a situation where, you know, if, if they really wanted to, they could do it. They, you know, obviously cut Chad Griffin or, you know, when, when they do, they'll save about $13 million. Um, you can restructure a couple more guys. Uh, you can work out a long-term agreement with uh, Evan Ingram. You know, there's ways to lower the cap and be able to bring back Jawan. I think that the issue now is, you know, do they feel like he's worth that maybe $17, $18 million per year, you know, top-of-the-line tackle, not just for right tackle, but for left tackle as well. You know, that would be around top, I think, 11 or something like that for tackle period. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe even higher. So you know, it's it, it, it's a situation where I think that you know the numbers just have to make sense. I think Trent Balky talked about it. You know, they need it to be a win-win situation for both sides. And I think that right now they want him back at a certain number. And I think that Jawan, which is smart, you know, would want to go test the market, and he could probably get more money elsewhere. So I think uh, at this point, it's more about um, them not wanting to meet the demands of the player rather than wanting him back. I know they, they, they do want him back and he would like to be back, but you know, this is life-changing money. This is a money that he's uh, going to be able to help his family with and, and things of that nature. It's his first big contract. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him walk. It, could there be a surprise move coming? And, and my point here, Demetrius is last year at this time, I never thought that, you know, miles Jack career here would be over. And, and, and that came to me as a, a surprise. I mean, do, do, do you pay this going rate for Jamal Agnew if you can bring back, you know, $4.7 million to use elsewhere? Do you see a surprise move happening? I don't. Not in that vein. I don't see a surprise move in terms of them cutting uh, Jamal Agnew, especially. I, I, I just get the sense, you know, from talking with people that they value him pretty strongly. Um, I think that they know that he can do things on the field offensively, which adds value, which is why he would probably want to be able to come back. Uh, if, if it was a situation where Jamal didn't offer anything offensively and all he did was, you know, return kicks, then at that point, I think that they could, you know, move on from him or, or change his contract or do whatever it takes to, you know, sort of get that cap number down. But for now, I think that that will stay. Um, but surprise move, I, I really think that this is going to be a pretty straightforward offseason. I think that this is going to be straightforward as as far as what we've seen over the past few, and I think that that's something that they've wanted to come in and do. Jacksonville in a position at 24 where they can truly draft the best possible player who is there for them. There's a couple of exceptions. I mean, obviously they're not going to draft a uh, a quarterback or a, a running back. What, what do you believe, though, um, 
with offensive linemen there, whether it's a left guard or whether it is a right tackle, do you believe that there's a real good possibility that that's where they end up going when this is all said and done? It's possible, especially if uh, Jawan leaves. You have to look at the situation where they have Walker Little, who's started, you know, I think seven games in his career in Jacksonville, and then I think he hasn't played much, you know, since before then. Um, and then you have uh, Cam Robinson, who's coming off of the knee injury. We don't really know the extent of that, when he's going to be fully healthy. Uh, you have Ben Barch, who's coming off of a, a, a devastating knee injury as well. You don't know when he's going to be fully healthy. So absolutely, I think that, you know, picking a, a guy who can become that swing tackle, especially I don't think you'd do that necessarily at 24, but if they feel like, you know, Walker Little could move inside, which, you know, they've already said, Doug Peterson actually mentioned that, um, Walker Little could move inside. Doesn't mean that he's going to, but he could play inside. Um, and if that's the case, then they feel strongly about that. Then perhaps they would take a a, a tackle there. And I think that um, for guard, I think that that's a pretty easy pick for me. Osiris Torrance, if if, if he's there at twenty four, I would take him. I think that he's probably the best guard in the draft. I think that he could be a plug and play guy. I know he's played right guard for uh, most of his career, if not all of it, but he could probably move in at left guard. Um, it, it's just a, a situation where they want to get bigger up front. They need to be able to protect Trevor Lawrence. So absolutely, I think that at that point in the draft, uh, there will be no reason for them not to uh, consider that option. All right, Demetrius, leave us uh, with a couple of guys that, that stood out for you at the combine. Yeah, I mean, Brian Branch, I already knew he was a smart guy, but just being able to uh, talk with him and, and, and speak about what he's been able to do and, and how um, sort of, confident he is in his abilities you know going in as a sort of positionless player almost you know he's a guy who obviously played in the slot at Alabama I think that he's he's really good um excuse me a guy like uh, Brian Brezzi I think is how you pronounce his name the defensive tackle out of Clemson um mm-hmm. I know that he's had some you know injuries in the past obviously but he's a guy that that sort of stood out and then the Georgia tight end um Darnell Washington I mean just incredible at 274 pounds to do what he's been able to do at the combine over the past couple of days was, was incredible. I mean, just, just to see that athleticism, I think he's a guy that could absolutely be a target there. What uh, a freak. Yeah, some of those receptions he made were incredible. Right. Yeah. So, you know, those, those three guys, you know, I think really stood out. Hey, Demetrius, always a pleasure. Uh, thank you as always. And I know we'll do it again real soon. Absolutely. Have a good one. There he goes. Demetrius Harvey, beat writer. For the Jaguars, for the Florida Times Union. So, big day for Jacksonville. Calvin Ridley in the fold. Evan Ingram in the fold. As far as I'm concerned, Juwan Taylor is gone. They, they just cannot afford to pay him. And, you know, I want to credit the restructuring that Trent Bulky has done. But you don't want to overdo it. Because... You're going to have to re-sign your own. I mean, I'm going to begin the second hour with that. Reports are now out that Geno Smith has just signed. Earlier today, Derek Carr signed. If you haven't heard their figures, it's going to blow you away. I'm going to start with it next hour. But we're going to see Burrow. We're going to see Jalen Hurts. We're going to see Justin Herbert. I mean, what's it going to cost this organization to pay Trevor Lawrence in a year? You, you, you got to constantly... Be looking ahead. And the good thing about what Trent Bulky has done, the wonderful thing with what Trent Bulky has done, 
is regardless of the years and the money, these contracts, for the most part, are two-year deals. You can get out of it after year number two, like they're going to do with Shaq Griffin. Okay? Shaq Griffin's going to be cut the next nine days. Shaq Griffin has a cap figure of 17147000 Jacksonville is going to have to eat $4 million against the $224.8 million salary cap figure, okay? That $4 million goes on there. Right now, last year they had more than $30 million in dead money. Right now they have a million four. You got LaVisca Chenault at 789k, Jay Tufele at 412k, and Gregory Jr. at 130,000. You're going to add 4 million to that. So it's going to be 5.4 million against your 224.8 million dollar salary cap. But you're also going to be able to recoup 13,147,000. So that will be added to their overall uh, you got to have everyone under, you know, the the two twenty four point eight by next Wednesday, when the league year officially does begin. All right, let's let's talk about this a little bit as we begin our hour number two. Uh, I want to give you the very latest as far as quarterbacks. Want to talk more about the combine and the quarterbacks there? What about Anthony Richardson? Talk about a freak! You got to be kidding me! And what about all these rumors? Derek Henry available? For NFL teams, crazy stuff happening. All that coming up in hour number two. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, the combine came and went. I usually tape a lot of it. I got totally sucked in on Saturday. It was a terrible day. Rain. I wanted the beach. I wanted golf. I got neither. I got a big Bruins victory early on against the New York Rangers, which I loved, at 1 p.m. And I was staring at Bay Hill, but I couldn't get away from the combine in my bar where I had uh, all of the events up. And I just kept waiting and waiting and waiting, and waiting for Anthony Richardson and company to throw. And it got to the point where I was, I really started to get aggravated. I was like, I mean, it was like hours upon hours upon hours. It was the most of a Saturday combine that I had ever witnessed live. Typically, I'll, you know, again, tape it and then fast forward through, you know, there's certain things I, you know, I don't, I don't care about watching linemen run a 40. You know what I mean? There's like certain things that just, or, you know, high jump or verticals. But I want to watch the quarterbacks throw. I want to watch the wide receivers catch. I, I want to witness stuff like that. What Anthony Richardson did was was just scary. It really is. I mean, what a freak. 4-3-9, set a record for the vertical. I think he set a, a record for the long jump. Six four and a quarter, two forty four. But he missed. You know, he missed on what four of six, or maybe even five of six, on those out patterns. Simple little out patterns, you know. And there's talk now that he's got a little bit of a wind up, mechanically speaking. I'm I'm looking forward to 
getting with Denny Thompson here in the very near future to uh, to discuss what has gone on with Anthony Richardson, where he's at, and where, in fact, he's going to be. We know that he had a major accuracy problem at Florida. He only comp- you know only completed, what, just over 54% of his passes at the University of Florida. I also think that, you know, the Gators didn't necessarily do a great job uh, to help him, okay, w- with either one of the offenses. I, I would have gone to him a little bit earlier last year, and obviously they did not. We're talking about a guy with what? Is it, I, I think, is it thir- is it 15 career starts? It may even be less than that at the University of Florida. But all of a sudden, he's become the major wild card. I mean, this is a guy who could go one. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Bryce Young has solidified himself as the top pick, came in at 5'10 and 1'8". So that was a little bit taller than I think what some people did assume. They made a huge deal out of the fact that he weighed 204 pounds. I had... You know, people were like, well, if he's under 200, I don't know if he can go that high. And now you're getting these comparisons to Kyle Murray. That's just lazy. Okay? I mean, just because Murray is short and Young is short, that's that's lazy. You know, that's like um, you talk about cliff notes to a novel. I mean, go a little bit deeper uh, than that is, as far as I am concerned. I don't even know if there's a comparison. To Bryce Young. And I get it. The thing that's going to stand out is his, his height or the lack thereof. So you're going to bring up Drew Brees and you're going to bring up Kyla Murray. No, I to me, he's not either one uh, of those two. So interesting out there with, uh, with what we saw. And to me, I thought the best part of it for Jacksonville's uh, case in point was you just had no idea. You really do not. And you know, in years past, it was all about number one. And, and and at this point, a year ago, that's like when we first really began to discuss Trayvon Walker. I, I don't even think it hit Jacksonville yet as far as a number one pick, but it was the workout warrior. It was, is he a Mike Mamula? Is he one of those type of guys that tested so well? But I don't think we really got into Trayvon Walker talk until – less than 30 days before the draft. Do you, do you remember whether or well, not? I, definitely not. I looked up mock drafts from around this time last year. Dude, Trayvon was at like 12 on some of them. He was at the highest I saw him was at like four. There was some that had him down in the 20s. Like nobody was talking about him number one, I think, like you said, until a few weeks, like two weeks. It's a good workout for corners. It was a good workout for the combination nickel and safety. Brian Branch, Demetrius Harvey mentioned. Again, I'm going to go all offense here. I, I want an offensive line pick in the first round. And I'll tell you why. Look at the guys that you have. Look at the quarterback that you have. Continue to build around that offense. There's holes right now defensively. But I'm banking so much on the 2023 season on improvement by Trayvon Walker, Chad Muma, and Devin Lloyd. If you can get those three to each take a massive step forward, that defense is automatically going to be that much better. That's my way of looking at it. Now, realistically, okay, last year at this time, I was saying 
after three bad years, year one of free agency, injuries and whatever, bad years for Roy Robertson-Harris, bad years for Shaq Griffin, bad years for Rayshon Jenkins. I said, realistically, can one of the three be special? Can two? In my opinion, you got one and a half. I don't think Roy Robertson-Harris really did anything in the first half of the season. Shaq Griffin was a total bust. He was hurt. Rayshon Jenkins had a career year. Robertson's already been paid for the next three, which is probably going to be two. All right? So, you got one and a half, maybe two. Okay? You buy me a drink, I'll, I'll probably come and, and, come and give you a number two. You know, I'll, I'll say two. I'll go from one, one and a half to two. What about this draft class? Same question. Who's going to make the move this year in year two? Is Walker going to give it to you? Is Lloyd? Lloyd's going to be 25. He's not a normal rookie. Like these 21-year-olds like, like, like uh, Muma and, uh, and Trayvon Walker. Uh-uh. Are those three? What can you get out of them? I mean, I'd take two out of three right now. You'd have to be a fool not to, right? If you consider attrition, you know, injuries or whatever else. So that's what I'm banking on for the Jaguars on the defensive side. I, I know that they're going to add some players, but I think you can get a corner, you know, in the second round or a safety in the second round. We'll see what they end up doing. The latest around the NFL is incredible now with quarterback play, all right? The amount of money these guys are making. Derek Carr today, four years, $150 million. It's really three years, $100 million guaranteed in New Orleans. Now reports are rolling in that Geno Smith is getting three years, $105 million, including fifty. $2 million this year. $52 million this year, JJ. I think that'll be it, though. I think that it's probably a contract where it's, you know, all the money up front, then we can cut you. This smells like a, we're going to draft a project guy. We're going to bring Gino back maybe for a year or two. And uh, that's it. This is a crazy one. Derek Carr, I see, I get it. Geno had one decent season last year, fell off so hard at the second half of the year. This is weird, but whatever. <laughs> 52 million, uh, 17 games. This guy's going to be making over $3 million a start. <laughs> Geno Smith, $3 million a start. It's crazy. All right, so anyway, here's where we are, and – you know, I found this. I'll, I'll see if they have uh, updated it at overthecap.com. I don't believe that they have because the terms just rolled in. But this is the present situation right now at quarterback, and it's it's petrifying. Yeah, I just got a text uh, that said, let me find it for you before I give you the latest here. Uh where the heck did I do with it? What did I do? What did I do? I can't find it. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with the with the new text. Line. I found it's easier. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I, you got to consider who we're talking about <laughs> over here. Okay? I mean, I I don't know what it is, but I'm, I'm struggling just a tiny bit for... By the way, quickly on Gino, I, mm-hmm. I feel like they're going to draft a guy high, a project guy, they're going to start the season one and four. The fans are going to be clamoring for the project guy to start. 
So you're going to have a guy you're paying $50 million who people don't even want to be the starting quarterback of your team. <laughs> That's my uh, prediction for 2023. Here's what some folks are saying. 35-25, blue, year after year after year. We t- Actually, that's one on Juwan Taylor. That, I'm sorry, it's not there. Anyway, it's about quarterbacks. And, and the extent of it all was, was basically um, how in the hell are the Jaguars going to be able to afford to keep a team together when you consider the amount of money that Trevor Lawrence is going to make? And that's the league. That's where we are headed. You, you should not expect Trevor Lawrence to become the exception of the rule and, you know, give you a hometown discount. It, it, it doesn't work that way, okay? He, he is going to break the bank. So presently right now, at this exact moment, and this does not include Geno Smith because, we, again, we got to wait for the, uh, the exact figures to come in. But Aaron Rodgers, 50,271,000. Highest paid quarterback for the 2023 season. Russell Wilson, $49 million. Okay. Kyler Murray, $46,100,000. Do you trust any one of those three right now leading your franchise? Aaron Rodgers at 39, maybe. You know, where is he going to go? Is he going to go to the New York Jets? Good luck trying to win with the New York Jets. Deshaun Watson, $46 million. Patrick Mahomes is the fifth highest paid quarterback for the 2023 season. He's making $45 million. Josh Allen is six, $43 million. Matt Stafford, seven, $40 million. Dak Prescott, tied for seventh, $40 million. All right, ninth is Derek Carr with his new figures today, $37,500,000. All right, $37,500. And they're rounding off the top 10, $35 million for Kirk Cousins. So, we know the class ahead of Trevor can become eligible for a contract extension in nine days. What's it going to cost to get a deal done with Joe Burrow? What's it going to cost to get a deal done with Jalen Hurts? What's it going to cost to get a deal done with Justin Herbert. If I'm in Miami, I don't care what the situation is. I'm not going near a contract extension for Tua because he's had way too many concussions. And you was telling me earlier today who said, who uh, mentioned Brady in Miami? Rich Eisen said there was rumors going around the combine that Brady might not be done and he's thinking about Miami. And also that Phillip Rivers is trying to come back and that he's – Asked about coming back to play for Miami, too. Poor Tua. Phillip Rivers and Matt Ryan are both very interesting. You know, and Jameis is going to get cut now that that um, uh, Derek Carr has been added. But, yeah, the Brady thing, Miami makes sense because of a couple of years ago. And, again, if, if Tua's got scrambled brains, it, it makes sense. I, I still am not going to dismiss Tom Brady in San Francisco. I still really, you know, he's from there. I still think that there's a chance uh, that that is going to happen. And, you know, I didn't mention Daniel Jones, who if he gets tagged, it's going to be $45 million. There's talk that, you know, Lamar Jackson could get tagged, and it, it won't be uh, the franchise tag. Instead, it's going to be a non-exclusive tag. So instead of giving him $45 million, 
he's going to make $32.4 million. Or it, another team can come trade. Yeah, another team can make a move for him. But, but obviously, you know, I, we know how people react to a franchise tag. Kind of feels like Evan Ingram's okay with it. But for the most part, you tag these guys, they don't show up during the offseason. They're upset about it. I mean, to me, $45 million or $32.4 million guaranteed cash for one season sounds like a dream. I mean, nah. an incredible dream come true. Not for a quarter. Not, not for a guy like Lamar who wants yeah, they want $400 million. million I get you know? it. And then, like, he gets hurt this year, has another. You know, he hasn't finished the season in the last two years. Mm-hmm. He's been constantly hurt. Hadn't had a great year before he got hurt anyways. And so, like, one more year might expose a lot of teams to him, you know, and be like, no, we're not going to give this guy. Right now, he wants fully guaranteed. I heard it was like, what, $300 million or something like that. That's not happening. I see them putting the, whatever it's called, tag on him, and then someone trading like two firsts for him and giving him a lot less than he expects. There were reports that were coming out of Baltimore a few weeks ago that Lamar Jackson was going to be involved with John Harbaugh in the hiring of an offensive coordinator. Todd Munkin Mm. got the job, and what did we hear within 24 hours after that hiring? That Lamar Jackson was not involved. Very odd. Incredibly odd as far as... You know, I am concerned. If if Press Taylor, I I, I do, and, and Press isn't calling plays, so that, that hurts him a little bit. Certainly it's hurt Eric Bieniemy. It's hurt others, although some have gotten head coaching jobs. I, I just think because of the bloodlines and because of the way that he is received, and if Jacksonville has the type of year that we expect they're going to have, I think Press Taylor is a guy that is going to be a head coach sooner than later. So, unless it's as simple as, you know, promoting Mike McCoy or whatever, obviously Jim Bob Cooter uh, now over in Indianapolis, if Doug Peterson's going to go out and get an offensive coordinator, as much as I trust Doug Peterson, you're giving all this money to Trevor Lawrence, I, I would like him to be involved in who he thinks the next offensive coordinator should be. Now, it kind of feels to me like Trevor's such a good guy that regardless of, of who you bring in, he would be okay with it. But he when you spend that amount of money, man, he's got to have some input. He also doesn't have such a very specific game like Lamar Jackson does. No, he doesn't. So, like, yeah, Trevor's going to be good with just about any any guy who comes in here to call plays, I would feel like. Lamar, you have to have a very specific set of plays and offense to run with this guy. So, to me, that just shows they're ready to move on from him. All right. So, we'll get official numbers on Gino, but it could be as much as $52 million this year. God we, bless him. We do know Aaron Rodgers is making $50,272,000. Do you believe that Burrow, Herbert, or Hertz goes over $55 yes. million? This year, I think Burrow and not Hurts. I think Burrow and uh, uh, Herbert probably going to get like fifty-five a year. I think Trevor's going to get close to that, maybe even sixty a year. 
I think they all might. Three might get 60 a year. That's just how it's going to be. The next highest paid there the next quarterback signed will always be like the highest oh, paid yeah. guy. And Trevor's the only one from this class. Exactly. I mean, it's not going to happen with Mac Jones. It's not going to happen, you know, yet Zach with Fields. <laughs> no. It's not going to happen with Fields. I, I don't even know if they're going to keep him or move him. I I kind of think they're going to they're going to keep him. All indications are pointing to Fields staying. Mhm. Uh, but that's where you're that's where you're at, and that's what you got to consider. Now, the cap's 224.8. All right, so maybe the cap next year is 232, 233, 230. I don't know. We'll see what happens. So the cap's going to go up, but that's good. But Jacksonville is going to have to find the perfect way to measure re-signing their own and then really – developing these players because you want to be able to plug in football players on rookie contracts. That That is how you survive in this way. What Jacksonville has done over the last two years and Trent Bulky's free agency class last year was outstanding. I thought two years ago it was left a lot to be desired, albeit better in year two than year one, except for maybe Marvin Jones Jr., right? You can't keep doing that, man. It's now about drafting the players, having half your, you know, having at least, um, I don't know, can you get 20? Can you get 20 of your 53 on rookie contracts? And what I mean by rookie contracts, not all rookies, but rookies in their second year, third year, fourth year. Can you get 20 of those players? And, you know, let's say you're really paying a lot of money for mm, seven to ten guys. And the rest of your roster, you know, you're basically paying them the, the league minimum, you know, veteran minimum. That's how you're going to have to put this thing together. And, and this is a problem that is going to face every major team. Every, you know, I, I got to take a break here, man. I've totally overshot the uh, – I think I could – I think we should do a two-hour – non-commercial it's called a podcast it is called a podcast <laughs> and i have one death taxes but you know all. most podcasts do have commercial breaks but most podcasts i mean i've studied it and they're like the best thing to do with a podcast is to keep it like less than an hour right which, yeah and you know why because today's kids don't have the attention exactly. span to stick around forever they want it to be quick and they want in and out they want all the facts I I uh, only listen to the commercials, so I'm excited about what's coming up. Yeah, I, w- I was talking about maybe just do something one day where I get everything out and, and make it commercial free, or we'll make it for today's kids. It would be great to say, hey, kids, how are you? Rick Ballou here. Evan Ingram gets the franchise tag. Today also Calvin Ridley uh, is reinstated by the NFL. That's it. We'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, there are reports out there that Derek Harvey could, or uh, Derek Henry, I'm thinking of Demetrius Harvey, right? Or Derek Harvey. Who was a guest a little bit earlier. You know, the great Derek Harvey. Where have you gone? Legend. It, just about everyone football-wise... When you hit 30, 
as a running back. Most believe your time is done. Now, there are exceptions to the rule, and, we, you know, we saw it recently with both Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson. But these, you know, look at the running backs recently who got huge paydays, like Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley, and all of a sudden you Zeke. look. Oh, yeah, Zeke. It, you just look at this man. He is a mountain. He's 6'3", 247. He's 29. Okay, so he'll play this year. He was born on January 4th, so he's going to play this year as a 29-year-old. But here I was earlier in the program talking about a young 29-year-old in Calvin Ridley that I think has plenty of, you know, plenty left. When you're a running back, and a running back like Derrick Henry, just think of all the hits he took at Yuley. And he had that one year at Bama his freshman season where he didn't get the ball all that much, but obviously his last couple of years, it was just incredible. Look at this. I'm looking at it right now. This guy got, as a freshman at Yulee, he got the football 313 times in 11 games. As a sophomore in 12 games, 313. As a junior, 12 games, 309 carries. And then, as a senior, 462 carries in 13 games for Derrick Henry. 462 rushing attempts. All right? That's 30, almost 36 carries a game. Okay. So, (laughs) he carried the ball. He he played 48 games in high school. And he carried the ball almost 1,400 times. He carried the ball 1,397 times in high school for a record 12,124 yards and 153 touchdowns. He scored 55 touchdowns in 13 games as a senior A Yuli. Thoughts and prayers for those 16-year-old kids trying to tackle him. He played as a true freshman at Alabama. Okay, played 10 games, 35 carries, 382 yards. In 2014, played 14 games, 172 carries. All right, so you can make the point that for him, just over 200 carries in two yards, uh, in two years, he basically, for him, that's like two years off, considering what he did in high school. And then when he won the Heisman in 2015, you know, 395 carries, 2,219 yards. So in his Alabama career, 39 carries, 602 yards. Now you get to the NFL, and, you know, he's gone from one, from 2016 on. He's gone from 110 to 176 to 215 to 303 to 378. Of course, he was injured a year ago, and he played eight games. So he had 219 carries. And then this year, second most of his career, 349 carries. I'm not including postseason where he has seven postseason games and 156 more carries in seven postseason games. So there's a thought right now that at the age of 29, you know, how many more years is Henry going to be able to give you at this pace? And unfortunately for him, when you look at the mammoth amount of money, I mean, just huge money 
that he is making, even the great Derrick Henry, I think there are people out there who believe that he is not worth the amount of money that he makes. I would love to have him taken out of the AFC South. To me, it's as simple as that. Let's look at the, let's look at the money here uh, for Derrick Henry. Uh, he's got a cap figure this year for a running back, man. Remember, this is a running back. They just announced, what, uh, the Raiders with Jacobs. They just announced a franchise, franchise tag. Correct. It's like 10 million bucks. Nothing. Evan, Evan, I think it's the lowest it is. besides special teams player. There's no respect for, for running backs. I mean, Evan Ingram is a tight end making 11345000 Jacobs is making $10 million. So when you look at Derrick Henry, you know, there, there's a $16,367,000 cap hit uh, for him. And he signed for really one more year. There are two voidable contracts in 2024 and 2025. So would it be wise for Tennessee to try to get something in return for Derrick Henry? On the surface, I'm going to say no way because they'll go only as far as he will take them. But reportedly, he's being... He's being shopped right now. But how far is that? I mean, like, they, they've gone as far as they can go with that. Their window for winning the Super Bowl with that Tannehill, Brown, and and Henry, you know, Brown's not there anymore. They, they ended up being the number one seed. They were the worst number one seed in the history of football. Um, they lost immediately, like we knew they would. That was it. Like, that was their run. You're never going to win a Super Bowl nowadays with an offense like that. Uh, they realize that you got to start fresh. You got to tank. You got to try to get a quarterback in there. Y- you didn't win. Your window's over. I think Mike Vrabel's a really good coach. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the heir apparent in New England for, you know, Bill Belichick. That's a good shout. Uh, unless all of a sudden, you know, the light really goes on for Josh McDaniels. Um, and I don't know if it will, but Tennessee. Brother, they're starting from scratch. They cut Bud Dupree today, okay? Remember how big of a signing that was? Five years, $82.5 million in Tennessee. They cut Taylor Lewin, all right? They cut Robert Woods. They cut the very talented linebacker, Zach Cunningham. Four years, $58 million. Um, They're starting all over. There's no doubt. And, and they don't know what they're going to do. With Ryan Tannehill, we were just talking about those contracts for quarterbacks, how incredible they are. I mean, how are you going to be able to afford that this year? His cap rate's crazy, Thirty-six man. million dollars. Thirty-six-six. Yeah. I think it's number one in the league. For quarterbacks? Yeah, well, for anyone. No, we just did it. It's uh, Rodgers. Maybe one. for quarterbacks. Yeah. 15.9% of the team's cap. Yeah, we just looked at QBs. I think he was eighth because uh, Rodgers is number one, and then it's, what, Wilson, then it's uh, – Oh, it's 2022's number one top cap hit in the NFL, 38.6. Yes. is Ryan Tannehill. 2023's number five top cap hit in the NFL is Ryan Tannehill again at 38.6. Jeez. Um, so number five. Yep. Uh, 
just an awful situation to be a part of. Yes. Uh, Baloo, uh, 28-35, does Dougie really need Trevor or is the ransom Trevor would command after his contract better? Um, obviously, trying to be a smartass, uh, Trevor's going to get what he has earned, uh, and I don't think there's any doubt about it. There's no sidestepping paying a quarterback. The Tom Brady stuff was – Almost like a once-in-a-lifetime situation. I wouldn't expect that out of anyone else. Uh, 35-25, year after year, we talk about how the Jaguars do not retain the players they draft. Why would you not want to do everything you can to bring back Taylor? He has shown he can play the position. He beat out little during the preseason. He is a better player. Um, Not for $18 million a year, no. No. I mean, if you get him for 14, 14 and a half, maybe 15, all right. And I know it's not my money, but I'm worried about guys who show out during contract years. There's no other way for me to say it. That that concerns me. I was concerned about Cam Robinson. I wouldn't have paid him. And, you know, the jury's still out because of his injury. It's a late injury, but I I don't know. At this particular point, eighteen oh eight, Baloo uh, playing poorly is just uh, average in a contract year. It scares me a lot more than playing very good football uh, when it comes to Juwan Taylor. What other options uh, are out there? I say try to keep him. Maybe try to trade Cam Robinson. Damage good in my opinion. A big contract. Yeah, yep. Walker Little play very. Yep. You can't. You, you, no one. And I repeat, this is in the NBA. No one is going to take the contract right now of, of Cam Robinson. It's, it's not going to happen. Now, like all these other contracts, things change after the 2023 season. We just talked about cap hits, okay? Cam Robinson right now has the biggest cap hit on the Jaguars, $22,117,000. If you were to... You can't cut him. $26 million dead cap money. I don't know how it works out as far as a trade, okay? But what I will tell you is his contract goes through 2024, and it goes from dead cap money of $26 million this year to only $5 million next year. So with a cap figure of $22,750,000, the Jaguars, if it didn't work with Cam Robinson, next March could flat out say, see ya. And they would bring back $17,750,000, only have to pay a $5 million dead cap figure. But I can tell you right now, with a cap hit of $22 million plus, you, you cannot trade him right now. That's what makes Taylor more attractive is with Taylor – you can bring him in and do the entire contract, not pick. There's a difference between doing a contract and spreading out the guaranteed money than acquiring a contract that, I guess I'm describing it wrong. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say because the way the language does work in the NFL, you're better off signing a guy with your money and fixing it as opposed to making a trade. I mean, remember the Marcel Darius trade here? Remember what Buffalo had to recoup? Look at the Miles Jack deal. I mean, Jacksonville ate what? Was it 
five million and Joe Schobert nine million. I mean, trading guys is is gonna it's gonna hurt you with that side of it. So trading Cam Robinson to make a long story short, I don't know what the figure is, but there'd be a lot of money left in Jacksonville, and that's problematic when you hope that you can get him to perform. Paying guys to not play here. Right. And and they did it last year. I mean, they did it with Schobert and they did it with Miles Jack. Those two right there were fifteen to thirty million dollars. They weren't even here. Imagine paying those guys fifteen million dollars not to be on your team. That was from the Moneyball. Who'd he say it to? Was it David Justice? Um I think it was Justice, right? Lateness? That sounds about right. Right in his, he was not a fan. He did not bring David Justice back at that point. Late in his career with Oakland. He's like, man, I'm getting paid $6 million, and you had me do this. And he's like, we're paying you like $340,000. The New York Yankees are paying you $5.4 million not to play for him anymore. Oh, yeah. that's <laughs> That happens a lot in basketball. Oh, yeah, the NBA. It's just uh, incredible. All right, final thoughts coming up. Hacker will join you at 8. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, after the combine, the odds for the top pick overall, Bryce Young minus 185. He actually got a pay lot to win little. He is the only figure that is under. Everything else is over. Anthony Richardson plus 300. Imagine what you could have got Anthony Richardson for. Pre-draft or pre-combine. C.J. Stroud plus 500. Uh, Will Levis plus 900. And then we got some defensive guys. Will Anderson, uh, Will Anderson plus 1,400. Uh, Texas Tech edge. Tyree Wilson plus 2,000. Jalen Carter drops all the way to plus 3,500. So, very latest there. Let's wrap it up with this one. Uh, 9201. Rick, uh, Caught like it is. How many years has um, Juwan Taylor been here, and how many years at the end of the season did you say to yourself, oh, yeah, that's my guy. Oh, yeah, we have to keep him. I can tell how many times. You've said it zero times. I don't like those kind of players that play hard when their contract year is up. So they like him, and they want him. That's the word. I think if they could find a way to do it, they would. Right now, my belief is it's not going to happen. I just I can't see how they're going to crunch these numbers. But crazier things have happened. All right, you actually watched the fight on Saturday night. I did. I I All was two up minutes anyway. Yeah, I I was, was up. I just didn't pay for it. Neither did I, but I watched <laughs> and um. First of all, he looked fat as hell. We're talking about John Jones. He really did. He looked super out of shape. So I was already like, dang, there's no way this fight's going to last five rounds because there's no way he can make it five rounds. He's going to get gassed if something happens. So I, I'm very casual when it comes to UFC watching. So I don't know this opponent whatsoever. So I wasn't sure you know, if he was a standing guy, if he was – a guy that goes to the ground. He obviously wasn't very good on the ground because the second they got on there, John John took him to the uh, cage, 
put him in a chokehold, and that was it. It mm-hmm. it didn't even last two minutes. It was very underwhelming. Um, I would have been heated if I paid eighty bucks for that. Well, I gave but you that's the, the name of the game with the fight game. I know? gave you the analogy on Friday. I said if I, I if I buy this fight, it's going to end up being a Georgia TCU national title. <laughs> if I don't buy the fight, it's going to end up being a Kansas City Philadelphia Super Bowl. I was wrong. Thank I didn't God. buy the fight, and it was. It was a total laugher. Anticlimactic. I I don't know if he just needs a better – he definitely needs a better opponent. That guy was a joke. Well, it's, it's going to be Miocic. Okay. He's going to fight him next. Okay. I haven't – I didn't know he was still fighting. <laughs> and, and, right, and as a matter of fact, I have the early odds on that. Well, let, me, uh, let me find him for you. Uh, Stipe. Um, yeah, it but was Stipe. 40, by the way. Is he really? Yes. And he has not fought in two years. See, like this is what I'm talking about about the UFC. Like, I, I don't care about that. That's a terrible fight. John I mean, they're Jones two is, names, but they're a guy who hasn't fought in two years. Jones is minus thirty, minus thirty six, three sixty to the dollar. Uh, where Stipe is plus two ninety five to the dollar. It's the same problem that boxing had, kind of. Post Lennox Lewis. They lost heavyweight stars. Right. You know, Klitschko's were there. But when I grew up in the 70s, it was such a phenomenal era for heavyweight boxers. Uh, You had Muhammad Ali and George Foreman and Ken Norton Jr. and Ernie Schaefers. And and the list just, you know, went on and on and on. Uh, You know, I didn't even mention uh, Joe Frazier. You had great heavyweights. And, you know, Tyson came along in the 80s, and that was all cool and everything. But I remember a couple of years ago, I can't even think of um, who's the guy that that lost to Fury. Deontay Wilder. I was at the Super Bowl in Arizona. Conor McGregor was there. And there was like 50 wolves surrounding him, trying to get him on the radio. There was no one next to Deontay. no one next to Wilder Jr. I sat down and did a 10-minute interview with him, and and no one could even care. Times have changed for him since those Fury fights, though. Yeah, but, but yeah like, you're right. But he was up and coming at that point. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, Connor's still the biggest UFC star, and he doesn't even fight anymore. He's the biggest UFC star, and he, I, think he's lost, I think he's lost three out of his last yeah, four fights. exactly. So they, they have a star problem right now in the UFC. Yeah. Those fans love it, though. It's a great sport. I mean, I'm sure there was great fights. I just never watch unless it's a big name, and I was, I was uh, underwhelmed on Saturday night. So, so many female fights too. I mean, like Dana stacks the card with. Fe- I know he doesn't have to pay him as much. That's probably why they're all on there. But like, uh, cool it with that, man. Yeah, the lady who. I'm so over that. I I'm in agreement with you. I I love women. I love ladies. I do not like watching them fight. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I, I get all these things that pop up on, like, Twitter. I think it's, like, street fights. And this is a street fight with a couple of dudes. Okay, I'll hang around a little bit. But as soon as, it, like, it's on a schoolyard and it's, like, two women, I'm like, I immediately I'm get rid of it. I'm like, I don't, yeah. don't want to watch that. But uh, the woman who won here, she tapped out. She Valentina, was a, right? Yeah, she was yeah. a huge favorite. Big and, upset. Uh, that was a big upset as well. All right, tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, uh, more on the Jaguars, and certainly we'll get closer 
to the players. Thank you to JJ. My name is Rick Blue. I don't check the text line now that the show was over. If you want to get a hold of me, please do so on Twitter. That's Blue1010XL. We'll talk tomorrow.